Welcome to What's Korean Cinema 32 on Train to Busan. And how do you get good critical notices and audience appeal working the crowded zombie genre? Well, you make a good one. And in this case you make a good one that's designed as two-hour entertainment only. And that's what uh, director Yon Sang-ho did in 2016's Train to Busan, which you might have heard of. But uh, we're going to fill you in and what the director is like and what he's about. And my name is Kennedy, and with me to discuss this is uh, Hangul Celluloid's Paul Quinn, who's maybe been on a train akin to this in his stay during his stay in Korea one and a half years ago or whatever. I'd love to say I had. But I got a bus to Busan, so not quite the same thing. One of our UK compatriots who does things about Korean culture, I'm sure some of you know, and Philip Goldman from London Korea Links, is as we speak, excuse me, <clears throat> in Korea on his yearly two-week, you know, cultural search that he does. And uh, I met up with him for a meal a couple of days before he went. And in his hands, he had a ticket and it just said KTX train to Busan. And he was like, look, look, look at, at that. that. I'm going to be on the train to Busan. So if it affected, you know, a very collected gentleman like him with excitement, um, train to Busan will hit you with excitement too. Giddy excitement for heaven's sake. So that's good. Like, like not stuffy cultural stuff, you know, things that could save him, but probably like, cool. Cool, cool, cool. It's just like I'm in the movie. Yeah, uh, give me a zombie. And that's the way to go about life. So, well done. Uh, hang on, Sally Lord. You get the honor to plug the first time around. They can find uh, reviews of uh, the latest and greatest, including Trade to Busan. But uh, what else can they find at Hang on, Sally Lord? All things Korean film related reviews, interviews, any talks I've given at the Cultural Center or at the old university, um, which are all over long because. That's what I do. No one is asking you to get off stage, right? No, ne- never, no, then, never. then it's fine. So shut up. But the thing is, the sad thing, I never take a watch with me. So I always write too much and you stand there and you get about halfway through and you think, I've been here for about two hours. And you haven't. You've only been there about 10 minutes. Which is fine for an intro, introductory type of talk anyway. You know, uh, just as we're doing that link, I'm hangelcelluloid.com. You can find me at hangelcelluloid.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. There are major buttons for each on the main homepage. Head over, have a little look, see if there's anything you fancy, including a review of Train to Busan. And you can stay on the site for two hours or ten minutes. It's all good. <laughs> your your forces. You have to stay over thirty minutes. I mean, there's there's no point otherwise. So, <laughs> are you one of those like uh, people who lock up people's computers? Like, yeah, you know, you're, want you're, to unlock you're... it until you spend at least thirty hours on my website. I don't want money. You don't get that pop-up that says, are you sure you want to leave? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, good, my friend. The rest of the contact information goes as follows. This is What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire Network. Our website is podcastonfire.com, where we do this show and other shows on Hong Kong cinema, vintage and not so vintage, new and old. Rather, we do Japanese cinema, we do sleazy cinema, talk about ninja movies, and uh, do commentaries every now and again, and bonus episodes. In the case of this uh, show, there will be an accompanying bonus episode to go along with this one and we'll announce that at the end of this show and it's a website exclusive one you can't get it on itunes and the likes email us if you have any questions or feedback we would love to hear some uh, thoughts and feedback on on the show of course but also uh, what you thought of train to busan podcast on fire at googlemail.com hit us up over on social media we have handy buttons at the top of our website that will first lead you to our facebook uh, 
page which you can leave a like uh, in support on we would very much appreciate that you can join the discussion group that's called podcast on fire network to follow show updates and discussion and if you click the twitter button that will get you to our twitter feed the itunes button will lead you to our itunes feed for the entire network so subscribe to that or what's korean cinema individually leave a star rating once you're in itunes poking about and even a written comment if you feel like you want to say something about the show good or bad and uh, finally stream us on stitcher radio by clicking the button that leads to stitcher radio's website uh, presence uh, but you can also stream us on the go by downloading the application available on the apple app store or google play and that is free by the way i write about uh, hong kong movies taiwanese movies of a variety of genres mostly inappropriate and uh, mostly just uh, containing crap movies really but i go where the creative fun is and uh, if that means i'll i'll be talking of fantasy tinted uh, special effects driven martial arts sword play taiwanese movies that has a lot of pee humor in them as well then damn it i'm gonna do that and i have and i'm gonna continue to do that go where the joys are for, a, for an old man like me nothing to argue against there paul right not at all you carry <laughs> on it's good these things have got to be talked about every time i do anything vaguely controversial you know you get the most feedback and most of it's good even though the odd person will go you shouldn't really do that it's quite controversial and you think but that's the point isn't it Everything uh, sometimes needs uh, needs an eye on it, cri- critical or not. So indeed, totally, indeed. totally. Uh, so goodreviews.com is my website, and I also do basic spoken audio video reviews on sleazykvideo.com. My Twitter handle is at so goodreviews. So let's get into it. A rundown of what's to come, as is often the case. We have a few sections coming up, and uh, that is contained within the episode. And this is your summary of and heads up uh, of what's to come. And I've placed timestamps for each section that will uh, be available in the show post so if you want to jump ahead to the review you can do that if you like and first we'll talk uh, the biography of uh, train to busan director yeon sang ho and we conclude with a good old discussion and review of the biggest movie last year in korea in terms of attendance i think we established that is that is it right the tally is uh, the tally is in right the numbers are in massively and uh, yeah, so it wasn't like a um, a race between like uh, the whaling train to Busan and the handmaiden train to Busan just skyrocketed in terms of admissions. Yeah, it really did, and you know the others were very successful. And I mean, the handmaiden, which is still on release in the UK, is is blowing record books internationally in terms of that sort of thing. But train to Busan just wiped the boards. I mean. You know, I'm sure you've got the figures or have seen the figures. You know, it became the the highest grossing film in any Asian territory ever. I know the Pan Asia appeal was quite uh, quite distinctive indeed. Yeah, totally. You know, and out of them all, if you'd said to me beforehand, here are your films: The Handmaiden, The Wailing, Train to Busan, you know, Truth Beneath, whatever. Which do you think will be the most popular? I would straight away go for The Handmaiden because it is the most supposedly worthy. And I love it. I adore it. It may be, may well be my favorite Park chan film. I love Train to Busan. I didn't think something this commercial, this zombified, would be so well received. You and most everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Jaded viewers, uh, like, like we are, you know. And uh, that is a discussion point we'll get to, certainly. But uh, first of all, Train to Busan from 2016 and plot from Paul's review of the film that we'll certainly link to. The character of uh, Siok Wu, played by actor Gong Yo, 
has been raising his young daughter Suan, played by Kim Suan, so they didn't uh, rename her <laughs> for the movie. They maybe out of to direct her easier. They kind of do that with a lot of kid characters. They sort of just give them their name. I guess it just makes it easier. Uh, but he has been raising his young daughter Suan, played by Kim Suan, since uh, splitting from his wife. However, his job as a fund manager takes up the vast majority of his time, and uh, regularly that causes him to miss pivotal events in his daughter's life. And uh, the young girl is often left in the care of uh, his aging uh, mother. As Suan's birthday approaches, he, she pleads with her dad to take her to Busan to visit her mom. Uh, again, citing work commitments, uh, the father at first uh, turns her down, but he messes up her birthday gift, so he finally agrees. And so, the two board the train to Busan, blissfully unaware that not only is, is a chemical leak causing the dead to be reanimated as flesh-craving zombies, feeding on others and turning them into the undead too, but also that one of the infected has managed to board the train. As the train rockets towards its destination and zombie numbers quickly rise, Siokwu, Suwan and the other terrified passengers come to the shocking reali- realization that the train to Busan may well be the last journey they ever make. So that's uh, that's Paul. Uh, Paul's superb writing for you there. So Thank you very much. Indeed. I, I, I'm I crap at plot summaries. I'm, I'm also, I always admire people that uh, get it done uh, well. So. They are the hardest part of a review. I don't care what anybody says. They are the most difficult thing to put together. Yeah. So uh, well, well done, my friend. And uh, uh, so let's uh, let's uh, get into the background on director Yeon Sang Ho, and uh, we'll talk the success of the film, obviously. But it's wise to also talk of the of this success story that is director Yeon. He's not a new director, but he's making his debut in live action with this one. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll detail that um, in a short bit. But he was born in Seoul in 1978 and graduated from the Sang Myung University with a degree in Western painting. Embarking on a creative drive, subsequently that included film, uh, he started directing animated short films as early as 1997. You have a short called Megalomania, uh, D-Day in 2000 and The Hell in 2003. Do, do you know if what kind of animated style he was attempted? I mean, was it computer animation, traditional cell animated, or computers replicating traditional cell animated? And and has the shorts always been um, animation? He's he's always done very traditional cell animation artwork, and if you've seen his feature length animations, King of Pigs and the Fake, the style of those it's sort of almost dark gothic novel it's that sort of artwork um he's used that from the very get-go right through to you know the the films that that made his career i guess i guess you can come uh, create that on a computer though but it isn't uh, it isn't like a pixar style animation no uh, no certainly not it, it's it looks hugely traditional it it i would almost guarantee you it's cell animation rather than computer anything else you know you can sort of tell um it's nowhere near your pixar things this is very 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 old school this is animated you know comic graphic novels right right and he clearly made business with his creativity and because he even set up his own production house called studio data show Uh, he got invites to international festivals uh, based on his works and even winning the asian ghost award for his short the hell two kinds of life uh, which uh, is an award that took place at the short short film uh, festival asia he fairly was he was uh, 
continually screened in competition, you know, at a fair rate. And uh, such was the case for his short Love is Protein. And that was included in the uh, free short um, omnibus called Indie Anibox Selma's Protein Coffee. Which I guess is, I don't know, it's a combination of the free shorts in one, I guess. It sounds yeah. like it anyway. And he had the honor of directing the opening animated trailer for the Busan International Film Festival in 2010. Uh, shorts tend to be available and sometimes not available uh, by key Korean filmmakers, live action or not. So how's the availability been for these shorts over the years by uh, Hyun Sang-ho? In general, if you wanted to see any of his shorts, you would have to go to a festival that was showing them in a mise-en-scene section. If any of your viewers are not too worried about where they get stuff from... Meet me in an alley afterwards. And meet I'll give, me in an I'll, alley. I'll give you the stuff. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a USB stick. It's got loads <laughs> of great... Uh, no. Um, the Hell, Two Kinds of Life, which is probably one of his most famous little shorts... Um, is actually available on YouTube in two parts with English subtitles. Whether or not it's a legitimate upload, I would imagine it's probably not. It's worth a look anyway, just to see what led to his features that we're going to talk about shortly. Um, it's essentially about a man who has a, you know, he's a, he's a company man. He cares about nobody but himself. He's visited by an angel who tells him he's going to die and as he's about to die, he realizes that he actually wants to live. So, you know, have a little look. Cool. And uh, in terms of his feature debut, the, the theme of animation continued. And Yon uh, gave us The King of Pigs in 2011 about a man who kills his wife after losing his business and he seeks out a long lost friend afterwards. And, you know, cheery stuff like that. I mean, is this a first emergence of heavier, darker themes and atmosphere compared to his shorts or. Those train of thoughts, these like adult confrontational darker train of thoughts, had they been there before? As far as you know, they've been there before. I mean, that that the hell two kinds of life is actually a very dark film, and you know about the the nastiness of the human condition and how you know if you're a bad person, you're missing out on what life's about, etc. He's obviously taken that further with the King of Pigs because it is brutally violent and. We'll talk a little bit more about it as we go along, but it was there before. Having said that, one of his other shorts, um, Love is Protein, is about a couple of guys who order chicken to be delivered to their house and what arrives isn't chicken and wackiness ensues while they try and fix. So, you know, he's not always been completely dark, but there have been elements that have been there. Very cool. And he got uh, critical praise for The King of Pigs uh, for its... Uh... Portrayal of bullying, violence, uh, poverty, and the mental effects on one's life having been exposed to such things. It went on to make Korean cinema history since it was the first Korean animated film to screen at the Cannes Film Festival. And it went on to win multiple awards, including uh, the Director's Guild of Korea Award for Best Director and the Jury Prize at the 2013 Jameson Dublin International Film Festival. Did you attend? I can't say I did, no. No, no, I I know you're not based out of Dublin, so it's like, uh, as soon as there's anything uh, film festival related in Ireland, I'm going up there, but uh, no. Well, if I was still over there, maybe, but, you know, you just, no, I'll stick with London. And, uh, but uh, nevertheless, he he was awarded, and Terracotta Distribution handled the UK DVD of The King of Pigs, and it is available very reasonably priced. Uh, Thoughts, in short, of uh, King of Pigs, because I assume you've seen it. 
I have. I've seen it. I've reviewed it. There's a review on hangocelluloid.com. If any of you are interested, go and have a little look. If you are a film fan who has seen some of the big Korean films, but you haven't seen lots of Korean film, then The King of Pigs is very well worth a look. It's got the violence of Korean cinema, if you like. It's got the darkness. It's got the talk of huge bullying at school, you know, school times hell, etc., etc. If you are someone who has seen a lot of classic Korean cinema from the new wave and on, and have seen endless school bullying, violent films, to me, it doesn't say that much more than has already been said. Um, so if you look at it out of context, it's well done. It's an interesting film. If you look at it in terms of Korean cinema, it's an animation of other films that you've already seen. Very cool. And uh, I remember uh, the director of Breathless and uh, the uh, actress, sorry, I'm blanking on both of their names, but I think both of them did voices, uh, big or small roles uh, for, uh, for King of Pigs. They did. Yang Ik Jun is the director actor, and Kim Kopi is the little actress. They've worked with him, you know, repeatedly. They worked on his shorts. You know, Yang Ik Jun, I think, is in that um, Two Types of Hell, etc., etc. So, you know, it's a, it's a close knit community, really. He did The Window subsequently, a 30 minute short depicting violence in a military based to a degree on his own personal experience. And the uh, sort of furthered his aim to make animation with adults as target and the dark controversial themes a goal while also exploring human nature and social realism and uh, he went on to helm a second animated feature of a fake from 2013 and he had organized religion in the crosshairs and uh, that was an award winner been winning best film at the uh, anima F-I-Z-X, uh, within and at the 2013 Gion International Film Festival. It won Best Film at the, at the Sitges Film Festival and was acknowledged at the Korean Association of Film Critics Awards as well. Same question, seen the fake and uh, now at feature stage, uh, did his movies get extensive showings or not in Korea? You know, cinema or DVD, if talking King of Pigs and, and the fake. So, I have seen the fake and I think it's vastly superior to King of Pigs. It's a much more original story. It's just better on every level. The characters in it are not necessarily good. In fact, one's outwardly bad, but turns out doing the right thing. The outwardly good guy turns out to be the real bad guy. It's a very... You've seen it before, I guess. You know, that sort of thing. Um, but it's done incredibly well. And the whole issue with religion is very... You know, it's a big hit in terms of Korean cinema. So I love the fake. Um, it got a limited release in Korea. It did quite well. It even played for a week, I think, in Los Angeles. I think it got like 20,000 or 22,000 admissions. So for even for an independent live action film, those aren't bad figures for an animation. That's really quite good. It played there specifically so it could be nominated for the Academy Awards, which it wasn't. But that's why it played in la it's available on dvd not in the uk but it is available in the us and it's well worth a look you know they both are but the fake is in my mind hugely superior to king of pigs and uh, what followed was 2015's animated feature soul station and our discussion on it uh, 
will follow as well in more extensive form uh, more on that later but uh, Jan said the following of uh, Soul Station I wanted to depict society's collective rage in a simple powerful way in which zombies are among people protesting for the democratization of Korea so so yes it has zombies as well and we'll talk of how connect uh, how much connective tissue if any is available between Soul Station and Train to Busan. So we'll, we'll, we'll save those thoughts for later or, or possibly some reveal as we discuss Train to Busan because I, I bet Paul knows I haven't seen Soul Station yet. So Have you not? Oh, No, okay. I'm, I'm saving it for when we record, even though the listeners are going to be able to jump straight to a recording of it. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Going to be surprised in that regard. But you're, you're, you're welcome to spoil any connective tissue it has unless if it's spoiler-free, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, there's there's connective tissue. They are essentially based on the same story, but they're very, very, very different films. But uh, he does seem, I mean, you you base it on research, really, but he does seem to have a lot of pent up, might be the wrong word, but I'm going to use it anyway, pent up thoughts and concerns. I mean, based on the the movies that are more angry, does that come out in a powerful way? Or is it is it over the top to uh, to intense degree, in your opinion? I think it comes over in a in a powerful way. He's obviously got issues. It's clear that he he wants to talk about them all the time. If you compare King of Pigs and the Fake, um, again, I'd say the Fake does it in quite a powerful way. You know, the way he characterizes it within the bad guy doing the right thing really works for me. In King of Pigs, he's almost pushing the you know the schoolboy horror. You know the evil that school turns people into in a little bit of an over-the-top way. And anyone who's only seen The King of Pigs and not the fake may well disagree with me to an extent on that, but check them both out. Um, I think the the fake hits it powerfully. I think King of Pigs pushes it just a little bit too obviously. Well, it's like a trajectory upwards, it seems like. You know, from yeah, movie much. to movie, there's uh, some more accomplishments being uh, being, being evident. Yeah. And then live action and Train to Busan happened. Happened. And boy, did it ever happen. It uh, represented Yon Sang-ho's live action feature debut and a further venture into the crowded genre of zombie movies. And it has become a worldwide hit, grossing nearly 88 million US dollars worldwide. It recorded more than 11 million in attendance in South Korea and did very well in further Asian territories such as Hong Kong and Malaysia. I mean, 88 million US dollars worldwide. That must be a record for Korean movie rights. Yeah, very much so. Totally. In in dollars and that market uh, alone. By a huge degree. Yeah. I mean, w- what would be... Would Old Boy be like a close second? Would that be the one that's... Uh, or what's another big Korean movie that hit the US market well? In that well I mean, it's a, the thing about Old Boy is it's become really famous over the years as much on DVD as anything else. You know, when it was released, it was decent enough, but it wasn't this level at all. The only thing that in recent years that has come close has been The Handmaiden. And it's just every few years you see a build internationally for Korean cinema. Suddenly everybody's talking about it and then it dies away and then it happens again. And we're hitting this this huge thing with, you know, three, four, five last year that internationally people were going, wow. But really based on quality, not just like, uh, oh, this is popcorn spectacle we can watch and uh, sort of uh, 
get drunk and stoned while watching. No, it was like genuine quality that people wanted to watch and see and absorb and feel. Very much so. And a, a huge part of it comes down to the fact that these films are actually being talked about more. I first saw, and I'm going to bring up The Handmaiden again, but I first saw The Handmaiden in October last year. And I would talk to people who are, have an interest in Korean cinema, even though they're not huge. And they'd glaze over, you know, six months later, they're coming up to me in coffee shops going, this handmaiden, right? Is it really, is it really that good? And you just think it's because of all the coverage. Now, why hasn't there been coverage for this, 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 this and this? sometimes fairly and unfairly it happens. I mean, f- f- thank God the coverage was for good movies, though, rather than like... No, no, it was like a ro- ro- like rather than like, the biggest movie out of Korea says nothing and is really nothing new spectacle-wise, but everybody's talking about it. F- thankfully, it's the quality, again, that they're talking of. I totally agree, and it has been, you know, 2016 was a, a humongously strong year, you know, and it's great to see. I was about to say, we get back to like, what other movie like made made money at the US box office? I don't know if The Host would be like a close second, or, uh, no, no, not close second, but Train to Busan was the big one. And then maybe The Host, somewhere along, along those lines. The Host pretty well up there. And believe it or not, there was a film a couple of years ago called The Flu, which was released and did really well internationally. Um, didn't do that well in Korea. And it's the most... If you think of how Train to Busan is fabulously entertaining, this was ludicrously entertaining because it was just so terribly over the top. I mean, it was it was laughable in situations that weren't meant to be laughable, um, but it did really well. And it's probably maybe third or fourth. It's not. It it wouldn't be that far behind the popularity of of things like The Host. So there are not so good movies that have done really well as well. But uh, back to Train to Busan, it was quoted on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, where it at one point held a 96% approval, which is high. I mean, uh, wow. in, like in recent times, we had, for a while, I think it's still close to 100, but one of the few ones that had a 100% approval on Rotten Tomatoes was uh, Jordan Peele's uh, movie Get Out, mm. which is uh, also just a wonderful movie, uh, horror movie uh, with uh, racial content and social commentary. Uh, but uh, Train to Busan held a 96% approval, and I think it's going to stay high uh, uh, throughout time, you know. And one quote from one review said, It delivers a thrillingly unique and purely entertaining take on the zombie genre with fully realized characters and social commentary. And I mentioned that because I go by gut feeling here, making my, doing my research, uh, and as I put together these questions, it's, it does seem to me, that Train to Busan may not be as dark and heavy on the confrontational themes as in prior works, given that it is so accessible and acceptable worldwide. So what's your take on that? I mean, I'm not saying heavier themes is a no-no for a commercial film, but unless promotion, like I have seen it, but when I wrote it, I had not. So, But unless promotion is off, it seems like Train to Busan is way more digestible than anything that Yon Sang-ho did before. You know, I, I, I've thought a lot about this over the last couple of days, and it, it's just my opinion. But re-watching Train to Busan, the first time I watched it, hugely entertaining. I, you know, I had a grin from ear to ear from start to finish. Let's let's not beat about the bush. You know, I, I loved it. Watching it a second or a third time, I started to notice his 
his little social commentaries a lot more. And having compared them to the fake and King of Pigs, they're not as heavy, but they're not non-existent either. I feel they're more obviously there than we assume they are. And I'm convinced that it's almost our take on the fact that it's a zombie movie that almost puts them in the background more than they actually are. Right. You know, there, there are a lot of characters who are very self-serving. You know, the main male character played by Gong Yu actually says to his daughter, why are you helping people look out for yourself? You know, there's a lot of that throughout. But the other ones seem more, yes, angry. But this one you know, maybe puts them more 50-50, you know, spectacle and anger sort of side by side rather than the other ones that seem more heavier going, you know, and, uh, but I don't know, I, I'm, I'm sort of going by gut feeling, I haven't seen the other ones, if I'm being honest. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit more balanced, but I can't help thinking that, you know, you go to see, watch a, you go to watch a zombie movie, you assume you're going to see a zombie movie, and you almost let all the the social commentary go because you're watching a zombie movie. I can't well, help. Well, well, I agree it's there. Uh, it's definitely there. But uh, reading, like, the takes on the fake and King of Pigs, it seems like it, that the anger is at the forefront. And, and this one, it's it's not at the forefront. Maybe learning to be more subtle. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Or maybe, you know, he had a lot of other things to think about that he wouldn't have to think about with a load of school children in a room or... You know, someone at a church, he's got hordes of zombies, so... And and, 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 and certainly what a transition to uh, zombie spectacle and uh, mixed with social commentary it was, you know. Its success was worldwide, and therefore the ripples start again, the age-old discussion of let's remake it into English. <sighs> and that's been mentioned, but in all honesty, how, how strong has those mentions been like uh, do you know if anyone has said officially we've not only bought it we're going ahead with a train to busan presumably american remake the last i heard was that there was going to be a remake but i haven't heard who bought it i haven't heard whether it's underway or if it's still in thought process i mean if you look back at the, the remake of old boy there was talk about it you know, years before it was actually remade. Going through uh, different directors and leading uh, leading men. Totally. So like I, I would assume it's at the early stages of that. I certainly, you know, you hear it's being remade and then you hear nothing more. So I don't know who's attached to it. There are certainly other places to take a train to, right? So it shouldn't be hard to transfer it, but... You gotta be, you gotta be good, good enough as a filmmaker to make it as ludicrously and wonderfully entertaining, I suppose. Yeah, very much difficult job. We'll see what happens there. But as for Yon Sang Ho, I mean, can he surely can get an easy green light for his next project? So, what's the status on the next career move for the animator turned live action director? His next film will start filming later this year. Uh, it's a movie called Psychokinesis. Life or animation? Live film about a man who gains supernatural powers, who tries to save his daughter and gets involved, or after she gets involved in an unexpected accident. So we've got something fantasy action, I guess. So, you know, having done what he's done with Train to Busan, I'm quite hopeful. Any cost attached to it yet, though it's too early for that? I, it will star Shim Yun Kyun. 
who you would probably remember as the the older girl from Hansel and Gretel. She was also in Miss Granny. She's she's a rising star. And she's also in Train to Busan, even though you may have missed her. The first girl who sneaks on the train, already having been bitten, and then turns into a zombie and bites the stewardess, that's Shimyun Kane. She's in Train to Busan. She's going to be in his next film. I love her. She's great. She was in a film last year called Missing You, which is just the most twisted, wonderful ser- female serial killer film you'll ever see. Um, so she's wonderful. She's attached to it. So it looks like it's all set to go. I know pre-production has been done, but I'm not sure when exactly they're going to start filming. Hopefully it's not pushed into a commercial game too quickly, uh, you know, and uh, gets to work the movie magic, so to say, rather than just make, make, make. Like, like you're, you're, you're walking money for us. Like, make. Hopefully it's not, uh, hopefully it's not that. Hopefully not, but you know it is. <sighs> oh, exactly. Well, uh, maybe you can play the money game and make quality and make money. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. And in the case of Train to Busan, that came true. And in, in terms of my quick opinion, this is a good one. Speaking from a genre perspective, uh, so, certainly. A, a fast-paced ride designed more as an action apocalypse thriller rather than a horror movie. I, I don't, I mean... Yes, it is a horror movie, but it's not particularly scary. It's uh, too action-packed for that. And for the running time in question, barely two hours, we're engaged in the terror and the emotional content at hand, and it's a fine, confident live-action debut. And I'm just going to put forth a wish to director Yeon Sang-ho. Don't make a sequel. Just no, no one should, but especially you, don't make a sequel to this. Move on to other art and creativity elsewhere. Right there with you. Because your take will be more long-lasting. And if uh, if this is the only take from you in live action featuring zombies. So just stay away from it. You've done your thing. You know, dr- drop the mic, so to say. You know, and, and by the looks of it, considering his next project, hopefully that means he will let it go. Because it's been done and he did it. So as for your short opinion to uh, get us into discussion, uh, what do you want to say in short about the train to Busan? I have rarely been so ludicrously entertained for two hours solidly watching any film, regardless of whether it's Korean or anything else. I had a grin from ear to ear from start to finish. I adored Train to Busan. I've never hugely been a zombie fan. I'll watch zombie films. I know, you know, the the Evil Dead and all the classics. I enjoy them. Train to Busan hit me between the eyes. I just, I was ludicrously entertained. That's hard to disagree with. But we have to address the issue of the crowded zombie genre, I think, uh, immediately. And uh, you have to bear with me, I wrote a, not a rant, but I wrote wrote something, it came out of me, it turned out to be a paragraph. So the zombie genre, it certainly has always, you know, uh, been there and crowded ever since since the genre content broke, you know. Night of the Living Dead is a is a sort of point where it uh, where conventions are yeah. established, and that got expanded upon, that got riffed on, that got cheaply and lazily ripped off and made. But through media exposure, in particular on TV nowadays, through The Walking Dead, uh, it it's still here, and it becomes increasingly challenging to do anything off the dead. Right, uh, and some even change it up by not even calling zombies zombies anymore. In The Walking Dead, they're walkers, right? Uh, which is fine, but uh, they, they they try to vary up the conventions. Uh, they've now by now experimented with the danger of running zombies, uh, you know, in Twenty Eight Days Later versus George Romero's classic slow walking zombies, and 
And, you know, so many decades on, it's become increasingly hard to engage an audience who's seen it all, man. We're jaded. We're numb to this. And whether you try something new at or adhering to tropes, uh, you know, and we say elements we recognize, it's still hard to get it uh, to get a zombie movie done well nowadays. Uh, so sometimes being quirky and loving the genre and that and how that leads to creativity helps in the case of Shaun of the Dead. I think that that's a wonderful example of fanboys doing something fresh with the genre because uh, Simon and Edgar are huge fans of George Romero and uh, horror movies so you know that, that's an example of a new angle but you know in terms of trying to boost on it, it's so again it's my take it seems so stripped of the anger that was apparent in prior works and it's more designed as a ride where care is attempted emotional care for the characters is attempted for two hours it's not designed to be poignancy for a lifetime so how on earth does Yeon Sang Ho pull this off well it's about entertainment, of course. It's about executing well and making sure we have a damn good time. In the case of this, it does find a good angle. In this case, the train. It's set on a train. Zombies on a train. Snakes on a plane, zombies on a train. And it's, it's you know, it crossed this roller coaster ride. And uh, even though the, the setting isn't exceptional, but it tracks back to that single setting that was apparent in George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, certainly Dawn of the Dead in Shopping Mall, which really became a prison for the characters, and Day of the Dead is set in a bunker. So he tracks back to that, and I think he has such vision and confidence, and possibly a lot of genre know-how, to single out what he likes, what he doesn't, what he thinks he, what he thinks works, and what doesn't. And, I don't know, going by gut feeling, I think he's crafted his art in animation because he's crafted his art in animation before maybe he has stronger ideas of images uh, i think that's a very fair point actually yeah and he was able to transfer that and translate that to working live and uh, translate what pace and beats needed to be present uh, in order for this ride to literally be one and someone without vision wouldn't commit this confidence on screen in this way you know it, it, it thrills and that just want a reservation for two hours nothing else but that counts. And uh, to also challenge yourself by not going the George Romero route in terms of gore, because it's not a f- terribly gory movie, that's actually actually great. It's a, you know, it's it's a daunting task to make a zombie movie somewhat less gory in global in the global eyes of uh, the fan community. But it strikes that balance between intensity, pace, the frenetic nature of the hordes of zombies, and one doesn't wish for intricate gore in this movie. It's not a cop out. So I think that that's like my, I'm not done with my review, but I, I think that that's why I think the movie works in the crowded zombie genre. But, you know, it's a difficult question. So how about you? What's make, what makes this not so original take on the zombie apocalypse work, despite being set in that crowded genre? Because, I mean, it's not uniquely Korean. This. It doesn't feel uniquely Korean. So that's not its angle. So why do you think this works in a glo- like a global sp- perspective? Certainly for me personally, as a, a an international global person, um, I agree with you, it's not specifically Korean, but there are elements that work as well in Korean cinema as any other. For me, it, I guess it's a two-pronged attack. All the characters have gorgeous, funny little moments, just unspoken humor that just brings a smile to your face prior to anything, you know, the main character completely messing up his daughter's 
birthday present and them not saying anything the little girl just looking across the room at the present she's already got the the big bruiser character played by Mad Dong Shiok, uh, who's a huge actor you know talking to the little girl pointing to his pregnant wife and saying I made that <laughs> I, I love that exchange by the way because the wife says like shut up well, it's true isn't it yeah and you know even <laughs> even even the wife the wife calling the child sleepy and when the little girl asks why she said because my husband's too damn lazy to name the baby those beautiful funny little moments offset everything and then you've got the other side of it which is the choreography of those zombies it, it, all I could think the whole way through, if you think of a flood movie where there's water cascading through windows downstairs, that's what these zombies are like. They're, they flow. They're like rabid dogs. They're just everywhere. The beauty of them falling from helicopters, breaking an arm and getting up with the arm still hanging halfway across their back. It's just, it's so beautifully done. It's so entertaining in the way that they just hurl themselves through windows two floors up fall on the ground and just get up whatever way they want it, re- it really comes down to that mix of spectacle and, and character even though it isn't you know sh- like shakespearean drama or anything yeah it's just it's breathtakingly original even though it's not i just i love the way he and, and the people he worked for, that worked for him, obviously, set up those zombies to be so hordes, hordes, hordes. You actually think there is a whole city of them. You look back at any classic zombie films, yeah, there's loads of zombies. Whether they're slow zombies that you can run away from or fast zombies, there's always a finite number. This feels like it's infinite. infinite. They're everywhere. Um, and I think a combination of that beautiful choreography along with him pulling you in with gentle, understated sarcasm and humor, just it puts a smile on your face that stays. And it, it's not something you can replicate easy because it doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, that movie from, from America, it's totally like that one, only slightly better. No, it, it just seems to operate in its own sort of the instincts are very good and very well executed, I suppose. Uh, so, they, they so, really so, are. so they never feel like. Uh, we recognize the tropes, but they don't don't feel like tropes in that negative sense, I suppose, because characters in a zombie movie that that's that's been staples before. I mean, you go back to Night of the Living Dead and so forth. But what we don't see in these movies, and I thought, because they would be over in twenty minutes, Yon uh, shows that animals are infected too, and some movies hint at it. Most movies don't, because you realize that if animals would be as easily affected and the characters would be fucked in 20 minutes because you'd have birds and animals just jumping through the windows of the house in Night of the Living Dead and so forth. But he he makes a point that yes, animals are affected too, but it's not like they are running alongside the zombies in this one. But uh, I thought that was a little, oh boy, like if the animals are getting uh, getting affected too, then then the whole world is gone in an hour, essentially. I mean, I mean, even from the very first scene where we see an infected animal, the way it reanimates and the way a lot of them reanimate constantly made me think of, believe it or not, Japanese cinema. Things like The Grudge, Dark Water, the way those, you know, that the long-haired ghosts always moved in a really creepy, twisted, jerky manner. 
and it, the way that animal at the very start of the film reanimates itself it's really jerky it's really creepy and, and pre- pretty decent cgi effect as well well totally and and that as well just you know to make me think of japanese cinema that takes some doing <laughs> because i hate it he's no, one there as well so <laughs> you know I, I i think he he had very very strong ideas and I, I like you say i think that came from his animation background of knowing exactly what he wants before he starts. Yeah, because I assume he is a, he's pretty good with a pen and pen, uh, pen and paper. You know, you just assume that that he wasn't just like visually driven, but couldn't draw. I mean, I I, uh, I just assume he could, he can and could. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, he sets a basic character drama that works for these two hours. I never felt like it was so watered down. This character drama with a father that has to step up his role you know face the responsibility of the effect he's had on his daughter by being sort of absentee but also the effect he's had on the world through his line of work and we won't reveal why that is because it's it feeds into the uh, reason why there's an outbreak at all you are engaged because when he buys the second wii u console and and you're right that beat where his daughter opens up the package and he's not thrilled at all she just looks (laughs) at it and it's all, almost like dry and quirky the way they the way they look up, then cut to that there's a second Wii U in the room. So they don't make like, Dad, why did you buy a second Wii U? No, he doesn't go for those beats. He just goes for like, oh, like it'd be internal like, oh, and we go, ooh. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what we do. And, uh, and, and the drama is felt enough, man, because... She'd rather not have him be there. She'd rather be with her mother. And now she has to rely on him. That takes something for her, the daughter, because he hasn't been there. So why should he be now? And all of that is set up well, clear and coherent. And uh, the commentary certainly weaves into it because there's certainly weaves itself into it because there's certainly some corporate finger pointing going on here. You know, how corporations experiment on the environment and how, in this case, him being a fund manager in the financial world, just sort of can pull out and pass the buck, you know, because they, uh, that's as that's how we see things can go, you know. Uh, yeah. you, you can be callous in that regard. Uh, Almost expected to be. Also, what I like often in movies is this how, not all movies set it up well, but when they do, it's, it's great how, these disaster movies, how these end of the world movies build up their end of the world scenario. I, I, I've always had a fondness for that. And how do you think he does? Because he, draw, he, he doesn't drop the, the first sign of something's up. It's not them encountering a zombie, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're sitting in the car and there's uh, fire trucks and stuff. How do you think he gradually gets us into that? Um, I, guess, I think he, he hits this perfectly. I mean, if he. If you look at Korean disaster movies, Tower or Hyundai, what you've got, you've got an hour of building up to the event and they introduce you to all the characters. The great thing about the train to Busan is within the first minute you see the reanimated animal. When they go on the in the car, as you said, they see, you know, fire trucks going past. As the train's pulling out, little the little girl looks out the window and you just see the edge of one what is a zombie jumping to 
grab somebody, but you just see the top the top of his back. And all this is happening within a couple of minutes and the first zombifications within about five, ten minutes. And you just think this this is pre twenty minutes we're into it, which is fast, but he isn't anxious. Exactly. And it it's just it's pushing those little things. You know, he phones the main character gone, you phones his mother and she's talking away and as she's talking she's gradually going argh, argh, and it's just it just leads you in so perfectly so quickly but so nicely but also you know what he's not doing he's not doing the 5.1 boom as i like to say because that scene where the his daughter is looking out the train window and someone jumps uh, a zombie jumps a person that isn't accompanied by a boom <laughs> No, silent. It's silent, essentially silent. And even the reveal when they're in the car, when you see the burning building, which is not a reveal, POV reveal. It's a reflection reveal, right? He's uh, he's confident in that regard. He's got his eye on the characters as they watch something horrible that, that we see merely through coincidence. I mean, it's not coincidence, but it's a, re- it's a, a reflection, rather. Um and uh, that's uh, that's well dropped those sparse well dropped notions of there's something going on here that he also slowly but surely drops plot points about the background of what is going on i mean we can sense there's a spill of some sort the movie is pretty open with that mm. but you know uh, the connections to the main characters we want uh, we want spoil and uh, and uh, then he establishes archetypes galore, man, and he's so he's so confident that he's all almost gleeful the way he establishes uh, archetypes, uh, innocence in the kids, and uh, you know a father that has to step up, and a kick-ass character, a funny yeah. character that's also a funny character, and you got the big big meanie in the case of this uh, corporate bastard that everybody loves to hate, and that tracks back to Night of the Living Dead and countless of movies. You know, Mister Cooper yeah. in Night of the Living Dead, uh, who's this um, you know who does these heinous things in that movie too. That th- that developing tone is really superbly well handled. Um, and the cast also, and this is such a key. The cast, as they as characters, we as viewers, find out slowly but surely through television and uh, information on the loudspeakers, the way uh, as they find out what is going on, they're all engaged, man. This cast is not like, zombie movie, whatever, so I get paid. No, they're all involved, man, without being asked to perform in the revolutionary drama of 2016. That is something to get that tone right, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I, I love the way he focuses on characters as well. I mean, for the early stages, a lot of those early train scenes are completely from the perspective of the little girl who says next to nothing. And you just follow her as you go and you learn as she learns. And it's fabulous in the way it switches to her father and then to the big kick-ass guy, etc., etc. It just... It it warms you to each character as you go along, as this is gradually unfolding right in front of their eyes, really. He's being funny, though, because he seems to establish characters distinctly. Characters that, uh, the train conductors and all of that, like, you and, and wow, she, she's beautiful, she looks like a movie star. Some of those characters are the first to go. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Which is uh, which I found delightful, like because I I thought that the the female 
the female train conductor or train conductor I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. She she looks so distinctive I thought like, yeah, she's gonna be in a movie. She's the first to go. Uh she's the first to get bitten and uh I, I don't know if that is a cameo by someone known, but regardless, uh, I, I I think he's uh, he's having a lot of fun with uh we think we got the movie like you're down. Nope, you don't. Very much he's good at supplanting expectations completely. You know, and and you do try and figure out who's going to go, and you may well be right in some stages, but you're going to be wrong in others. Definitely, there is one character who eventually becomes a zombie, and I was convinced they wouldn't be. Um, and I can't, I can't. Spoilers won't let me tell you. We won't but, reveal anything. No, no, no. You know, towards the, I guess the latter, the latter half of the film, this person becomes a zombie because of her relationship with some... I've just given it away, she's a girl. (laughs) Because of her relationship with another character. And I was convinced she was going to make it through to the end. I was convinced she was going to be a big part of the finish. And nope. It's been the playful and also haunting aspect of the genre. I mean, we go back to Night of the Living Dead, the 1969 movie. The the way it's a darky movie, it's a gloomy movie, it is doomsday, it's apocalypse. The way Romero uh, takes out certain characters in that one, it, it, it still it still gets me. I, I don't know if you remember how Night of the Living Dead, the nineteen sixty nine movie, ended, but it's a gut punch. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a effing totally. gut punch, and there's some just haunting imagery that also speaks to so- someone who knew social commentary very well, uh, George Romero. That is, and he even does it in The Dawn of the Dead, and to an extent in Day of the Dead too. That uh, well, we we can all be we, we can all be expendable whether you liked us or not. Um, you know, heroes are born out of out of this movie, but it, that were timid first, and then they have to defend their step up. Uh, yeah. st- step up. It's infuriating though that uh, Gong Yo's character, you think he gets it of the first evidence of. There's zombies on this train, and yet he says that heinous line that is, which means he still doesn't get it. Where you you hinted at it, where he says to his girl like, "There's no use helping anyone. It's like, don't, don't." And you just want to reach your hand into <laughs> it and just strangle that motherfucker. Yeah, you and, really do. And I say that with enthusiasm because I had enthusiasm watching the movie. They, it, they, these are character traits and tropes. So, so some don't change. He, he certainly does. We can re- reveal that, that he does. He steps up. But, you know, it's a clever thing that, that a filmmaker tries to execute and execute the known well. Like the tropes well. Like the, the evil CEO, uh, the, the businessman, he never changes. And why should he? Because that's the character you need to have in this type of drama. You need to hate. And in so many other movies, that would have been so, like, roll your eyes cliches. But Yon certainly has a handle on that. And my, my God, if that is an admirable, I don't know what it is. Do you think it's a scary movie? If we establish, uh, yes, it's a horror movie, action apocalypse too. But do, do you think it's truly scary? Is it aiming for be, uh, to be, like, scary horror? I don't think it's aiming to be scary at all. Maybe I'm too jaded from having watched too many horror films. But it's a horror film, but I wouldn't call it a horror film you know it's an action film with happens to have zombies in it um and i think the fact that it isn't scary from my point of view works in its favor because you just you enjoy it rather than rolling your eyes at oh look horrific cliche yeah i mean it, it comes down to what you're engaged in is the character drama and what characters you want 
to live uh, uh, and end up you know end up well at, at the end of uh, at the end of the movie so it doesn't need to add n- neither gory horror or startles and things like that because i think the genre mix that it put, puts forth here the action apocalyptic thriller with zombies works perfectly well i mean i'm a horror buff i like gore i like gloom and i like doomsday movies but he he doesn't need to be terribly gloomy uh we're we're engaged emotionally because of characters and the fact that this this is fun these hordes are fun and this rapid outbreak in this rapid movie that is uh that is fun and also the characters because the train is moving fast the zombies are moving fast characters need to make decisions based on this urgency too totally that 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 feeds well into the pace of the movie but he doesn't forget to close chapters on uh, on characters and i'm not saying because they die it's just the general rule of thumb with uh, with the characters you close you close chapters on them i wanted to ask how did the cost here i mean are we talking a-list uh, actors at the forefront mixed with character character actors oh yeah 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 we're talking we're talking big 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 the main male character. I was going to do this at the end, but I'm going to do it now. Gong Yo, who is the the fund manager, the father of the little girl. He is the latest rising star of Korean cinema. He's been working since about 2003. You may well know him for a film called Silenced, which was about a teacher who finds out he, he works for a deaf school and he finds out the little deaf children are being abused and it's based on a true story and he he goes to help them and it all goes to court and everybody's lives are ruined it's a phenomenal film and that was his big breakthrough he has since been in kim ji-un's the age of shadows which was another big hit from last year so he he's big name his i guess eventual friend um, the big bruiser who beats everybody up and is actually quite funny um, is Madong Shiok, who you'll you'll know from you know veteran the Royal Taylor Kundo the Five you know Rough Play the big names of films that he has been in just go on and on and on and on. He's one of those actors that you always recognise him. You always see him as a big bruiser with a heart of gold. And you can never remember whether that film was him or someone else. And you can never remember his name. Two more, and I'm nearly done. The pregnant lady is a lady called Jung Yu Mi, who you might not recognize. Personally, I looked at her and thought, I've seen her somewhere before and I couldn't place her. Um, She's been in, again, endless films. She was in The Silence with Gong Yu. Her first film was A Bittersweet Life with E. Byung-hun, which was way back in 2005. And I went and had a little check just to see, and she looks exactly the same. Of course she does. You know, it's the same old thing. She's been in huge stuff. For for my money's worth, by the way, she uh, she steals this movie. By the way, I I I have some notes on that. Uh, dramatically, I think she uh, she's the reigning uh, uh, queen of this movie, if you would. I would agree with you, ninety nine percent. What I'm about to say is just gonna knock everything else out. If you look at the little girl, Kim Suan, 
again, you look at her, she does, she doesn't say very much a lot of the time. She, her moments of, you know, her timing's perfect, her punches are perfect. In, I guess, 2013, I saw a little short film, which quickly became my favorite short film of all time. Is it, is it night fishing again? Uh, not quite. <laughs> um, you know, you know me on Facebook and everyone else, so you're you're bound to know what I'm talking about when I say it. There was a director called Yun Gaon who has this year done a film called uh, The World of Us about a load of children, which has been hugely successful. It's won awards left, right, and center. In 2013, she graduated from university by making a short called Sprout um, about a little girl who her mother's having a party and she decides off her back that she's going to go on a mission through the town to get her mother sprouts to give to her guests. It stars that little girl, Kim Soo-an. From the moment I saw her in Sprout, I just thought she's going to be huge. And I last night printed off the films that she's done since Sprout. And I've got three pages. Really? So someone's either keen to work or she's being exploited. <laughs> you know, I mean, she's last year's Love Lies, which was huge, a, a, a colonial tale. You know, she was in Coin Locker Girl, which was a huge film from a couple of years ago. You know, she's just mad, sad, bad, sorry, thanks, hide and seek. You know, she's been in everything. Horror Stories, which was a huge thing in this same year as Three in the Busan. And from her simple little beginnings, when I watched her in Sprout, you just think she's going to be phenomenal. And it, it's blown me away that she's done so much. And here she is in Train to Busan. And yes, I agree about the pregnant lady ruling the roost, almost. Because for me, it's our little girl that takes a biscuit. Well, yeah, it, it's hard to argue against that because she is, she is on and shows the right frequency to the performance because she's more reserved with her father in the beginning and then expectedly uh, you know she sh shows fear very well and uh, and then feels the connective tissue to her father being stronger and she's on board with that like you read about uh, very expressive uh, but but not uh, directed with an over-the-top uh, sense where just because she's a kid she needs to emote a lot and overstate things nope overstating things well there, there is a moment but not involving her yeah uh, totally so them two two of them those are the ones that run away with this movie i think they massively do yeah. they really do i wanted to ask any favorite moments zombie hordes uh, wise without spoiling in the movie because there are some uh, uh, like iconic sequences where you go like oh boy here we go i think there there are probably three for me at one point, not to give too many spoilers away, the the inhabitants have to change trains, or, or they're trying to change trains because of something that's gone on. And as characters are trying to move between the trains, you see a city full of zombies from above screaming in almost a triangle towards the people that are trying to move. That's one for me. That's the, the uh, trailer moment, essentially. Yeah, essentially, yeah. The second one, as helicopters are going above, um, zombies are dropping from helicopters, landing splat on the ground, getting up, you know, battered and twisted and going on. That's number two. And number three, as 
the main male character tries to get his daughter out from under a train, there's a window which has got hordes of zombies behind it. It breaks and they flow out and it is like a flood of zombies. They are just over the top of each other constantly just it is like a flood of water those three things immediately come to mind it brings out the point that these these crowd scenes i mean that was designed a little bit differently and it's enhanced by effects but these rushing crowd scenes you know the hordes it's all well balanced between coherent chaos that choreography because there is some choreography needed here, because they, you, you can't just randomly have people rush, right? Uh, and you need to have a technical crew that understands that you need to capture it. Because the Yon doesn't go the shaky cam route and the over-edited route, right? This is coherent chaos, pitch-perfect, coherent chaos. And... That is a rarity globally nowadays. Hugely, yeah. My my favorite moment, and it's not... I mean, it's it's a rushing scene, I suppose, but it, it's an audience-pleasing moment when Ma Dong-seok saves Gong-yo's daughter by punching a zombie. He runs at the zombie from the side and punches it out of the way. And that, that that's moments that is going to make a crowd go nuts because he has been likable as a character already. You know, he's this... Uh, you you don't think he's going to be the action hero of the piece, but he uh, because he seems like he's uh, he's very timid and he, his wife is uh, sort of uh, bullying him a little bit, you know. But uh, uh, and on that thing, you know, immediately other things, and that that's the great thing about Train to Busan. As you talk about it, other scenes come back that you just think, oh yeah, there's a scene where he takes a baseball bat and he's just you know moving through the carriage just blattering people, throws the baseball bat away and then just starts using his fists. And it's it's almost ballet. It's gorgeous. I don't know if they've ever tapped him to be uh, to do action at all uh, because, you know, it's not he's not the, you know, the hunk, like the the zero zero percent body fat hunk or anything, but he certainly is capable of just wielding power, you know, uh, and uh, it's not a stretch to see him go from I mentioned the thing about that his wife is like bullying him a little bit. It's always that that couple always has a sink, playful sink, and I don't think that's antagonism between them ever. You know, the, the the first scene where where he knocks on the door while his wife, pregnant wife, is in the toilet, like, "Honey, are you done?" and she just goes boom, like like she she uh, she beats the door from within. That way, he knows that she, she's not done. So I'm just gonna stand here and wait. But that's that relationship is built uh, very well and uh, believable and they're, they're in sync uh, the two actors and all of that so i mean if you look if you look at his career of movies there have been some action stuff but the majority of his films have been as you know the big seemingly bruiser who turns out to have a heart of gold you know he's done an awful lot of melodramas he's done Things where, you know, oh, it's a guy with terminal illness who tries to find his place in life. He, he's not archetypally the huge action hero. Um, so seeing him doing this, he just fits to a T. He totally does. And like the, the character drama beats between them as a couple are, are very wonderful. They're, without spoiling it, there's a there's a beat where they, uh, his wife and um, Gong Yu's daughter has hidden in a toilet and they reached that 
caught finally. There's a big sequence where they need to crawl past the zombies, and we, we won't spoil the unique angles to that. But when they do reach that toilet, they can't speak because they they'll be find out found out. So she opens the door, and it's almost that it's that brief realization that thank God is here, but we can't say we can't we can't say anything. Not just yet. And then he moves on like the, the movie's moving. But he has time to nat- to naturally inject that beat. And has time to have a little dialogues about the fact that Ma's character is very perceptive. And he even talks to to Gong Yo's character and has some fatherly advice to him. There's another tiny moment. I, I'm not sure if it's that moment or another one. But there is one point where the two girls are or one of the girls, the pregnant girl, is in the washroom and he turns up and opens the door. I'm assuming it's this point. And he looks at her lovingly like he's come to rescue her. And she she just punches him. And you you just think, isn't that just beautiful? Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. And and also like, you know, that Yon is brave enough to, again, we we go back to the fact that, ah, characters are taking out that, I thought was going to be in the movie. I mean, that, that tracks back also to Night of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, but even Deliverance to an extent, because mm. he, he doesn't die, but you're the big macho man with the bow and arrow, the Burt Reynolds, breaks his legs. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He's out of the movie. <laughs> so like heroes that you don't expect to stand up needs to stand up, and I, I, I like when that is done well. Certainly is here, and... Uh, characters bravery is born some characters natural bad and evil streak is extended and that's infuriating um and and it plays with that psychology uh, you know characters in peril and in crisis that are afraid to speak Mm. are way too easily manipulated by those that are just loud you know what i mean like uh, the way he uh, that ceo businessman affects crowd i won't spoil uh that particular scene it's sort of towards the end of the movie but that that's infuriating how a loud voice can affect those in fear but infuriating means that this movie is effective well totally and and the way the way those in fear then you know obviously end up back in the one with the loud voice you just it's like oh you know so it it, it just works on every level in terms of that I really am at the end of my notes. I just want to say that as as close to perfect as it is, there is a, a moment towards the end, and um, I know you have the same notes. I'm not going to speak a lot about it. That it, it doesn't harm the movie at all, but it is the sign of like uh, some um, lack of confidence. Where Jon has been good at stating just as much as he needs, but he he overstates. Um, uh, the closure of a character's journey through a, f- a flashback uh, a flashback device towards the end and that wasn't needed because we had clarity in terms of how that character relationship had developed and how it concluded we didn't need the additional flashback to emphasize that and i thought that was um, out of touch with this movie let's just say that i agree and i was that vague enough, you think? <laughs> I, I think so. I, you know, anybody who watches the film will know the scene that we're talking about because separately we both were annoyed by it. I was more, I was more like, like, hey, hey, wait, wait a minute. This, this, this is new for this movie. Yeah. I don't like it. You know, in Jon's defense, if you look at 
Korean cinema in general, the last 20 minutes, you can almost guarantee it's going to go to melodrama. You know, from right back from the golden age, that's what they did. And almost any film will have melodramatic elements, and most of them get away with it because it's not that far removed. He tries here. I don't think he has a choice. I think in terms of a Korean audience, he has to go to major melodrama and in doing so he takes it too far because we're watching a zombie movie. It doesn't need that. That you know, it's melodramatic enough without the oh here's melodrama. But I think he's done it specifically to try to appeal to a Korean audience and he's done the wrong thing. I'm sure audiences were on board in a general sense, overall sense. I'm sure. I, I think he can be forgiven to an extent because of what I think drove him to it. But it's completely unnecessary, as you say. It's like 30, 40 second block of the movie. That Just imagine that he could have had the crying and then the 30, 40 second sort of cut and then the shot where we see an event shadowed on the ground. Right. I would have gotten that. I would have understood that. <laughs> Uh, it would have been powerful. It is powerful, but a little misstep there. But uh, no, nothing that detracts from the overall effect of the movie. Not at all. Certainly not. No. And my final note, as I said, Jung, you, me, as the pregnant mother, steals the movie. I think with this, she, she has this. She, she, she needs to push forward this. She's highly pregnant in the movie, right? So she needs to push forward this protective motherly aura, and breed her bravery and strength and dignity in the in the face of grave situations it, it's like a reserve performance because she instinctively the character certainly the actors distinct instinctively knows she has to put on a brave face in certain situations yes she's emotional but she is quick to uh, you know switch to priorities mm. in the face of this situation really really uh, well-balanced performance, I think. So yes, that's the end of my notes, buddy. What else do you want to say about Train to Busan? The final thing I'll say is anybody that sits and watch, watches Train to Busan after you fully enjoy it and you love Jung Yu Mi and you love Kim Soo Han, if you can find a little short called Sprout online, please go watch it. It will blow you away. She is incredible in it. And while you're on it, go back and check out a bittersweet life for Jung Yumi um, and see what she was doing, you know, 12 years ago. And you'll see how wonderful she was as an actress then as she is now in Train to Busan as a pregnant mother. All righty. So uh, hopefully we did it justice. Uh, but uh, regardless, as for availability, uh, Train to Busan is now available on digital, DVD and Blu-ray in the UK, courtesy of Studio Canal. It's also put out by Wellgo in the US and uh, worldwide availability really should be high as uh, you know as time moves on if it's not released uh, pl- plentiful in other regions and countries it will be because it, it just it's guaranteed sales uh, across the world it's also available on the US Netflix and the Canadian Netflix in case you want to stream it right now but uh, we are not done well we're done for this episode but we also have available to you a website-exclusive bonus episode where me and Paul will review and discuss Yeon Sang-ho's animated feature Soul Station and we'll discuss its possible connections, if um, if any, to Train to Busan. It's marketed 
correctly so or not, as a prequel. So it contains elements of the zombie breakout. But uh, how much uh, one should argue it is a prequel connected to Train to Busan? We'll just have to see for ourselves. I haven't seen it yet. So uh, like uh, through the power of uh, editing and uh, time, you can now put on that episode and I've just seen the movie. <laughs> it's magic. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's tot magic. Uh so yeah, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna record it tonight or anything. So in a few weeks we will and they will have that episode ready for you. So it's available only on podcastonfire.com, not on iTunes or any other pod catcher. So I hope you enjoy and tune into the bonus episode on Soul Station. So that's it, my friend. We are done. And as we established uh, uh, before, I'd like to finish off this episode a little bit, episodes nowadays a little bit more quickly. So go to podcastonfire.com for all you, your Podcast on Fire network needs and all the social media links are available to you. And in the show post, you'll find all the relevant links uh, that uh, I can think of for Train to Busan, including Paul's review of the film and what have you so uh but, but you still get a firm plug for your site because you're the co-host and co-producer and guest of honor all wrapped in one so go go ahead and plug my friend i'm gonna do the same thing um head to hanglecellular.com um you can check out the reviews interviews talks i've given and there are facebook and twitter buttons to take you to my social networks see you there hope you enjoy it not been any uh yon sangho um visits to the uk on the horizon do you know if they have attempted to bring him over i think they tried to bring him over when terracotta were doing king of pigs because they at that point terracotta were doing a terracotta film festival so they showed king of pigs and they tried to get him over and it just i think he was working on the fake at the time and it was on it was off it was on it was off and he didn't come so i'm kind of glad that if he comes, it's after Train to Busan because it changes my whole perspective of him completely. So it's almost like interviewing two directors, really. Cool. Well, hopefully it happens in the future because uh, they, they've certainly attracted uh, uh, big-time directors, new and old, uh, before in terms of our, uh, uh, appearances in the UK. But anyway, we are done for this episode. I've been Kenny And with me was Paul Quinn. Not yet traveled on one of these bullet trains to Busan, but in the future he might be able to hold his very own ticket and imagine himself being uh, being in the movie uh, sort of pathetically so, because nothing's going to happen. He will just have a ticket. <laughs> well, you know, you know, spo- major spoiler alert, hopefully I'll be on a train to Busan in October, but we shall, we shall see. Excellent. Well, hope it happens. But in the meantime, uh, we are done. So uh, say goodbye, buddy. See you later, guys. Mm-hmm.